Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. We focused on verses 8 and 9, but uh, I'm going to read from the beginning of the book, verses 1 through 9. This is the word of the Lord, it is eternally true. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now... For a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. This is the Word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come to Your Word, we pray that You would again feed us this morning, that You would strengthen us. Father, I pray that Your Word would would rebuke and correct and train us in righteousness so that we may be adequate, equipped for every good work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. So we're in the middle of an argument that the Apostle Peter is making here uh, where we pick up in verse 8. This is the continuing arguments that the Apostle Peter is making to encourage believers who are in the midst of trials. This is meant to encourage believers who are in the midst of of suffering, who are in the midst of trials. Christians, as you well know, need that kind of encouragement. Right? Christians need that kind of encouragement because in the midst of trials, it's easy to lose perspective and forget the magnitude of the inheritance that they have laid up for them in heaven. It's all too easy to become extremely short-sighted when we suffer. right? Just as like in Deuteronomy 8 that we read, when we prosper, it's also easy to forget the Lord. And um, we become short-sighted also, though, when we suffer. It's very hard to get past the moment when we're suffering. So how does the Apostle Peter encourage suffering Christians who are, as it says in verse 6, distressed by various trials? In verses 3 through 7, he encourages the saints by reminding them of the inheritance. 
reminding them of what's laid up for them, reminding them of the inheritance that will come to them after they die, and the utility of those sufferings in this life. So it's not just thinking about what's coming, but there's something to those sufferings in this life that are helpful to us. And what that is, is that the proof of faith is more precious than gold. In the midst of trials, in the midst of this life, we have to exercise faith, right? And the proof of faith, when we know that we have faith, that's more precious than anything we could ever possess, any material we could ever possess. Now, in verses 8 and 9, he continues on that theme of faith. It's on the basis of faith that we have an ability to rejoice in this life, any ability to, as he puts it, greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Now, that's not just the joy of, like, a birthday, right? That is an intensity of joy, right? That is a cosmic sort of joy. That's a joy that not only gets you out of bed in the morning, but fills your heart day in, day out. A sustained, persistent joy. Greatly rejoicing with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's a great deal more than just mere rejoicing. The difficult thing about faith, faith, is it's based on much that we do not see. Right? Faith is based on what we don't see and things that we can't pick up with our hands. We like to have the confirmation from things that are right before us because uh, for some reason things that we can see or observe are more uh, solid, more truthful to us. Right? But the writer of Hebrews says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things, and then what does it say? Things not seen, right? Faith is being convicted about things that you have never seen. Faith is a principled holding to things that one has never seen with one's eyes. It is believing as a fact that which has, been, that which has not been proven by one's senses, Right? We have never seen Jesus with our eyes. None of us have seen Jesus. We, have not, we were not present for any of those miracles that Jesus performed, laid out for us in the Scriptures. We did not sit at the feet of Jesus learning from Him as the apostles did. We did not see the creation of the, of the world by God. We did not see those works of God. Yet here we are worshiping God. Exercising our faith in that which we have not seen. Apostle Peter says, And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice. In other words, the Apostle Peter is arguing that faith is not sight and is therefore not based upon scientific evidence. Faith has nothing to do with scientific evidence. It has nothing to do with observation. Right? That causes a lot of people angst, doesn't it? That causes a lot of people problems. Perhaps it 
has caused you problems in the past, or perhaps now you'd rather see, and without seeing, like the Apostle Thomas, you would never believe. Faith for many is a delusion. Richard Dawkins, our village atheist, says that what made him an atheist is this. The realization that there was no scientific reason to believe in any sort of supernatural creator. There's no scientific reason to believe in a supernatural creator. For many people, believing in something for which there is no evidence is the very foolishness of Christianity or of any religion or of anything beyond scientism, right? For that, for that matter, but, but what of Dawkins' statement? Do we accept it as true? Well, in one sense, we disagree with him because our senses are used to um, bring us to a knowledge of God, aren't they? God uses our senses. That is the purpose of general revelation, right? The testimony of, of creation regarding its creator. The scriptures say this about how creation, what we can see and handle and touch, testifies to God's existence. It says, the heavens or the skies are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands, Day to day pours forth speech, and night, night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. And so in other words, that's a poetic way of saying creation is speaking, but not using words. It's testifying, but not using words. It, it is, it is um, giving us information, but not through words, through images, Right? through the things that we see with our eyes. The Apostle Paul echoes Psalm 19, where that was from, when he writes in Romans, that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Right, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So Paul goes on this long argument and says that, that creation is testifying about the glory of God and everybody sees it. And only those, the, only, the only ones who deny that are those who suppress that truth and unrighteousness. But it is creation, seeing, that testifies to him. In other words, in creation, we see evidence of a creator through its beauty, through its intricacy, through its incredible complexity. So our innate desire to ooh and ah, right? We travel around the world to see God's creation. It makes no sense if it's just a bunch of atoms in a different formation. Right? But it testifies of something greater, of something... Uh, of, of, of a creator, right? Why would, we, why would we give any attention to jagged rock formations jutting out into the sky? There are little ones in my backyard. I don't have to go to the Rocky Mountains, right? And the reason is, is because they testify to the fact that God has built into the universe, evidence of his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature. 
creation shows us there's a God. So in that sense, you know, we disagree with Dawkins. There are things that can be seen everywhere, all over the place, and they testify to a creator. But in another sense, we disagree entirely with, with the village atheist, Dawkins. There's never been a person, hear this, there's never been a person who has come to faith in Jesus Christ by the testimony of creation. Not a single person has come to Jesus Christ by creation testifying there's a creator. As much as you think that you had that wonderful experience out in creation where, where uh, through the testimony of a, a leaf and, its, and the, the formation of rocks, you came to faith in Jesus Christ. That is not true. There is no scientific evidence, nothing that can be taken in by our senses that would make us know the triune God as our Father and our Savior. Nothing. Scientific evidence is only enough to condemn a man for not acknowledging there's a creator. Dawkins is trying to make creation do something that it was never intended to do, which is to make him a resident of the kingdom of God. You see, Dawkins has ruled out faith. He's ruled out faith believing something without scientific evidence. Because it goes against his own presuppositions, right? In particular, the presupposition that all we can know comes to us via what we can see, right? That presupposition that all we can know is only what we can observe. But what if there are other ways of knowing? What if there are other ways of knowing? To ask the same question another way, what if there are other forms of revelation? If that's true, then we have to admit that Dawkins on a certain level is right. We agree with him that by means of scientific evidence, no one will come to believe in Jesus Christ. It's ironic that creation gives observable evidence for a creator, and we all know it, and that Dawkins is unable to see it. It's doubly ironic that Dawkins desires faith to be based upon scientific evidence, but as we know from Scripture's definition, scientific evidence has nothing to do with faith, which is the conviction of things not seen. In other words, Dawkins proclaims himself blind to what can actually be seen, and then is only willing to believe that faith can be sight. He doesn't see what can be seen and expects to see that which can't be seen, right? Again, some of you are disturbed because you think that facts can only be established by observing things that can be held in your hand and seen under a microscope with science or, or measured with any kind of scientific instrument. And yet faith is the conviction of things not seen. And the world is filled with Christians who have faith and belief based upon an absolute lack of evidence. So what are we to make of that? Well, faith, dear brothers and sisters, is what? What is faith? It is the fruit of 
you know, is it? Is it the fruit of a successful search through the vast resources of the Library of Congress? You could memorize every book in the Library of Congress. Would you end up with faith? Is it the fruit of the research of particle physicists who, who break apart atoms? Is it the fruit of reading a poem about the inner turmoil of a man trying to woo a maiden? It's certainly not that. Is it the fruit of, of, is it the fruit of tasting white chocolate raspberry cheesecake for the first time? Is it the fruit of the, the, is faith going to be the fruit of all of that information that's being returned to earth from Voyager 2 as it enters into interstellar space? No, it's really simple. Faith is a gift from God. Faith is a gift that God dispenses. Faith is God's to give, and He gives it when He determines. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Imagine if faith was the product of of observing evidence. Oh man, we would all be boasters about where we found this, this great truth that, that uh, no one else knew about, but you discovered somehow. No, it's very simple. Faith is given as a gift by God. And to the frustration of all who want their efforts to negotiate the evidence by, um, by you know, or that they're negotiated uh, observations be the reason they came to faith. Jesus Christ says this, He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again. Oh, he can see God's creation. He sees God's creation. He sees God in, uh, in, in all that testimony that comes through his creation. He knows that God exists, but that man cannot see the kingdom of God where Jesus Christ sits as the king, ruling over the nations. Now again, you may be frustrated with me because I'm, I'm getting all my answers from Scripture, not from observable, repeatable evidence from nature. And you're frustrated because the only thing you're willing to see is that which is based upon evidence. So that's, that's your presupposition, not mine. Right? My presupposition is that there are more ways to know than by mere scientific evidence and the, and the testimony of our senses. Right? My pre- presupposition is that knowledge comes to us via God's special supernatural intervention. That's a way of knowing. Right? God intervenes. Those who are born again are able to see and to know in ways that go beyond science. And that's why Christians can rightfully and meaningfully call scientists ignorant. 
right? Those who are born again are able to see and to know in ways that go beyond science. Those who have been born again have what Scripture says is the very mind of Christ, right? Those who have been born again by the Spirit have a resource for knowing, a resource for knowing, a resource for knowledge that the natural man can't possibly ever tap into because he hasn't been given the gift by God. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. 1 Corinthians 2.14 So if you're a materialist, you'll continue to expect science to be your sole source of knowledge. And until you are born again, you will not realize just how limited and unreliable those sources are right? How, how observations from science have changed every five minutes, right? I mean, it, it's, it's anecdotal, it's silly. I mean, massive changes in science have been noted in various ages, but, but internet science is interesting how one five minutes, there's a study showing that you can't have coffee, and then the next you can, and it's good for you, or bacon's bad, and then bacon's good. And I, I you know, they all cite studies, but I'm sure it's just people trying to propagandize us and not let us enjoy life, right? But until you're born again, you'll never realize just how limited and unreliable your senses are. Right? They will never lead you to faith because faith is not found, it's given. Faith is not realized, it's given as a gift. Right? It drops into your lap all at once. Though your remaining corruption will make it seem like it's some sort of struggle you went through. Not for God, he gave it to you when he made you new. Dawkins thinks that all that can be known descends from the senses of man. Christianity says that that is what we should expect from a materialist. But it does not do a good job of dealing with even our experience of this world. The The Christian says that all that can be known descends from God and in certain cases of those who are born again, special and particular knowledge is given as a gift. That knowledge is delivered spiritually, not experientially. It's delivered by the Spirit of God. It's supernatural. That knowledge is supernatural, not natural. For some strange reason, which isn't so strange, it's, I guess that's like speaking out of both sides of my mouth, um, it is the corrupt nature that suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. Atheists prefer and advocate for a world without a God. For some reason, they prefer and advocate for that world without God. For some reason, they wish to live in a world where none of their actions can be judged according to a standard, where wonder is cast out as unreasonable, where knowledge is all that, all, knowledge is all a matter of, of discovery by our brain machines. The world described by the Word of God, though, extraordinary revelation in itself is not so cold. It's not so hard. 
It's not so prosaic. Right? The, world, the Word of God can admit of every kind of scientific evidence, but God is not limited to express of Himself everything scientifically. Right? He communicates directly. He, he covenants. He sends His Spirit. He sends His Son. Right? Chesterton who, if Dawkins is our village atheist, will call Chesterton our village Catholic, put it this way. The Christian is quite free to believe that there is a considerable amount of settled order and inevitable development in the universe, but the materialist is not allowed to admit into his spotless machine the slightest speck of spiritualism or miracle. The Christian admits the universe is manifold and even miscellaneous, just as a sane man knows that he is complex. But the materialist world is quite simple and solid. The materialist is sure that history has been simply and solely a chain of unfeeling causation. Blah. We say history has been a chain of God's acts, even God's intimate acts with particular people as he births them anew. The materialist actually craves a world in which the only way to know is through his eyes. The Christian knows better, and while acknowledging his faulty eyesight, is given faith as a gift from God whereby he really sees for the first time. Faith does not rest on facts. Faith, of course, is not afraid of facts. But faith does not rest on facts. It is conviction of things not seen. And as the Apostle Peter puts it, though we have not seen Jesus Christ, and though we do not see Him now, We love Him. We love Him. We believe in Him. Right? How? Is is it that we are deluded? Is it that we have made something up? No. No, it's because what can be known is not merely a product of what we can see. God works in this world. He takes the initiative to make Himself known. He makes us alive. He births us anew. He gives us then faith as a gift. He communicates himself to us directly. What wonderful, what wonderful regard, right? What wonderful fatherly intimacy. And so we can love him and believe on him whom we have never seen. Remember that the Apostle Peter is trying to encourage Christians who are undergoing various trials And as I've said before, in trials we have a sinful urge to think that God has abandoned us. And corresponding to that sense of God abandoning us, we might think that the only corrective to our struggle is that God show Himself to us physically. We pray that He would give us a sign when we're struggling. We ask that He might work a miracle, and we are tempted to think that He is not present, but faith apprehends that God is present, though not seen. 
right? Faith apprehends that God will provide even though he has, he has told us to go out from the land of the Chaldeans without giving us even a destination. Faith apprehends that the walls of Jericho will, done, will come down even by just marching around and shouting outside the city. Faith apprehends that the floods are coming. And though the people mock, the ark is built. Right? Why? Because faith, because faith is concocted in our heads as wishful thinking. Because faith is delusional and dismissive of, of anything concrete? No, because faith is a gift of God. It is God's communication to us. Faith is the most substantive thing that you have ever had in your brain. When your faith is sight, when your faith becomes sight and you stand in the presence of God, though your faith saved you and was the most solid thing your mind ever rested upon, you will be grieved at that point just about how weak your faith was. Right? If the prayer of the Apostle Paul were answered for us, how much would this life be different? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Dear brothers and sisters, in other words, faith is seeing without seeing. Faith is truly seeing without seeing with our eyes. God knows you and has made himself known to you. Your faith is the evidence of that most substantive, substantive transaction. Right? He has revealed to you the joy of salvation through Jesus Christ. The Spirit has been put within you. And one of His works is to testify to your spirit that you are a child of God. Faith understands that whatever troubles we have in this life, they are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed. That is true knowledge. That is true solidity. That is much more than some mathematical equation that makes knowledge seem like some cold and unrelational idea. Spiritual realities, dear brothers and sisters, spiritual realities. Right? Stop living like a materialist. Stop dismissing spiritual realities. Stop being a student of everything you can touch and see and begin seeing with new eyes. Right? The world will think you crazy to greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory based on something you've never seen. But you and I and anyone here who have been born again know that through the Son of God, we have obtained as the outcome of our faith the salvation of our souls. The things of the world then have grown strangely dim as we contemplate the, the unseen but more intense and more real work of God in our hearts. Amen? And so we will continue to go on rejoicing. And those who want evidence can go on mocking. Let's pray.